Ephesians chapter number six. Good to see everybody in Jesus' name. I wish, I wish, I wish that the whole church was here to hear this, but it is what it is. But I'm delighted that you're here to hear this tonight. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 10. Ephesians 6 and 10, if you've got to say amen. If you're looking at the screen, say amen. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. What great advice that is. There's a lot of people who are experiencing spiritual weakness But it's a great time to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principal against principalities, against rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle. We wrestle. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. Father, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him to be in operation here tonight. We will not fail to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. We pray you strengthen the weak, heal the sick, encourage the discouraged, lift up the depressed, give victory and power to those that are in want. We ask it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. amen. Everybody say amen. That's a little better. We'll let you go. God bless you. You may be seated. Ephesus holds an incredibly unique and very special place in the New Testament. There is a lot that I could say that I'd like to say about Ephesus. However, for the sake of time, I will just tell you that I believe in my studies of the Word of God, I believe that Ephesus holds an extremely important and pivotal, pivotal place, not just in the Word of God, but in the plan of God. Just to give you a thumbnail sketch of that, in Acts chapter number 15, I believe it was, the Apostle Paul was just east of Ephesus at Lystra. And the Bible says that the Holy Ghost forbade them to preach the gospel in Asia Minor. That is incredibly interesting terminology to me because the Great Commission is, is that they should go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But at this particular juncture, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to go any further west. And so... You know the story. The Apostle Paul gets a vision. He gets a, a dream of a man in Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And so the Apostle Paul is redirected to go to Macedonia, and more specifically, Philippi. And that's exactly where we find him in Acts chapter number 16. However, in the latter part of Acts chapter number 18, we do see the Apostle Paul now making his way towards Ephesus. And of course, in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, you are seeing the beginnings, the beginnings of the church 
at Ephesus. So the question begs to be asked, why did God put him on pause in Acts 15, but allow him to go to Ephesus in Acts chapter 18 and then begin his ministry there in Acts 19? Incredibly important question that we will answer at another time. In Ephesians chapter number six, you're seeing this terminology where it says we wrestle. Wrestling is different from different forms of engagement. Boxing is not full contact. You're able to strike a blow, and if you're, if you're a good boxer, you'll bounce back. Um, wrestling is full body contact. Um, wrestling was extremely important at this time in the Grecian world. The influence of the Hellenistic influence was all over the world, and even the Olympics was already um, being held at the time of this writing to the letter to the church at Ephesus. And so when the apostle said we wrestle, he understood that he's talking about that you are grappling, you are, you are not just in contact. It's not just that demonic spirits are touching you, but we are actually grappling, we are contact, we are wrestling with the spirit world. And then of course, uh, these verses go on and he says, put on the whole armor of God. But this is very interesting in verse number 12. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle with people. Now that is, this is a critical statement at the beginning of this lesson tonight. You are not wrestling with people. In fact, I'm just at the outset of this, I want to say that if you're wrestling with people, your focus is off. And if you're wrestling with people, you've, you've missed the mark because we're not to wrestle with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. I believe that what you're seeing there is not necessarily the rank and file. That, that might be one interpretation of verse number 12, but I think more importantly is you're seeing spirits from principalities and powers that are spirits that people fight individually, and it's ramping up to spirits that have greater influence over more people. So it goes from the individual to entire nations, which would be spiritual wickedness in high places. And the Apostle Paul, this is a rare glimpse into this demonic realm that has sway and influence and power, if I could put it that way, influence is probably a better word, over the human race. We see it in other places, but it's packaged in such a way at Ephesus because the Apostle Paul came in contact with every single strata of this degree of influence in Ephesians chapter number six. When I was a new convert, uh, I, was just like a, I was just like a human sponge. I could not get enough of the word of God. I couldn't get enough of the spirit of God. I couldn't get enough of the people of God. And some of those dear saints, some of them have gone on to be with the Lord, but some of them, I hope, I hope that their crown is extra shiny for putting up with me. I knew when people were serving supper. And I would just kind of be in the neighborhood. You know how it is. I'm just kind of in the neighborhood and I just happened to end up on their doorstep, and it's, hey, look who's here. Oh, uh, you know, I was within five miles. And uh, as a single saint, um, I was looking for something to eat. And people put up with me 
in the love of God. And for that, I will, I will forever remember them and love them. But as a new convert, the church taught me how to deal with my flesh. And there is so much in the word of God that, that absolutely addresses that. Somebody said amen. There is a lot in the word of God that talks about dealing with the devil. And I did my best to deal with him according to the word of God. Somebody said amen. But nobody taught me how to deal with the brethren. That's okay. You can respond that way. So I, know, I knew how to deal with my flesh, and I knew how to deal with the devil. But I didn't know how to deal with church people. I had to learn that on my own. And at the outset of this, I want to encourage you to get everything you can out of this tonight. I really believe that this is God gave this to me. I've taught on this particular passage of Scripture numerous times, but not in the way that we're going to talk about it tonight. With that being said, I'm going to be redundant by saying that if you are wrestling if you're having a problem with people to, to the point that it's messing with your spirit, you're fighting the wrong war. Because we do not wrestle, we do not grapple, we do not, we do not war with flesh and blood. And the Apostle Paul had to get that out of the way so that he could reveal where we're really making contact, and that is in the spirit world. Hence the rest of verse number 12. Now, the city of Ephesus, I have a whole theological deal on this. I've shared it with a few people. Uh, most people rub their chins. It's not false doctrine. It's a theological hypothesis. And I think it has merit. The more I think about it, the more I think I'm right or close to being right. I think that what Ephesus represented to the work of God was that it became the mother church to the six churches of Asia Minor. Ephesus, of course, was the very first church according to Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 1. And so in order to establish this new paradigm, of course, Jerusalem is the mother of us all. And it was, it was the birthplace of all Holy Ghost revival. But in the Gentile world, in the Gentile world, instead of somebody just saying, well, I'm going to go to a city and start a church because I don't have a church there. I believe that what Ephesus represented is that there was a mother church and there was a bishop. And what came out of Ephesus was the six churches of Asia Minor. None of them are even mentioned in Scripture except extremely scant. Um, Thyatira is mentioned in Acts 16 through Lydia who was a, a seller of purple. That's the only place there. Laodicea was mentioned in the latter chapters, verses of Colossians. Not much. It all started with Ephesus. Ephesus was the mother church. Jerusalem represented the vertical. It represented directly from heaven to earth. But Ephesus represented the horizontal, hence Paul prayed open up a great door of utterance. It was horizontal. I could go on, but I don't want to detract from what I'm supposed to talk about here tonight. But the Apostle Paul faced more resistance at Ephesus than in any other city in the book of Acts. Um... In fact, and really this is going to become part of the subject matter that I want to talk about here tonight, there were people 
in that city that tried to hurt him. Personally tried to hurt him. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit here. Some of the most graphic instructions in dealing with specific individuals in the entirety of the Word of God is found at Ephesus. For example, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 19, the Apostle Paul writing to the young son in the gospel that's now a pastor at Ephesus. Look what he says here in verse number 19. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Next verse. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Of course, the word blaspheme is more than just cursing God. It could include that. But it means to rail upon a person, to speak evilly about a person, to speak negatively. This is why when you get around other people that are very loose with speaking evil against the saints of God, don't curse them, don't fight them, but I would get away from them. Because they do not understand the value and the respect that should be on a child of God. And this is the danger of people that overly familiarize themselves with other people. They lose that respect. I'm going to tell you, no matter what else, we can go out and we can go bowling and we can go to the woods and we can, you know, go over to McDonald's or whatever. But at the end of the day, you are a child of God and you are worthy of respect. I have delivered them unto Satan that they learn not to blaspheme. Satan is drawn to people that speak evil and negatively of the church. Hymenaeus is mentioned in another place. Who is Hymenaeus? Hymenaeus is a man that became, he became. He didn't start out that way. He became an opponent towards the Apostle Paul and the church of the living God. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 17. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 17. I'm sorry if it's not, there it is. And their word will eat as does a cancer. Now, ladies and gentlemen, um, when you get into the pastoral epistles, you're not, you're seeing things as they really are from leadership to leadership. And there were some people whose mouths were so ungoverned that the things that they said was like a cancer. That's what that word canker literally means, is a cancer of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. This is the same Hymenaeus that we find in 1 Timothy chapter number one. Okay? So, they were teaching and influencing some people that the resurrection had already passed. Today, we would call that preterism. There are people that are saying that the resurrection and the fulfillment of the word of God has already taken place. Ladies and gentlemen, I can already tell you with all assurance that the rapture has not taken place because you and I are still here. And I don't know about anybody else because I don't. I, I just know about this this 
this person right here, I am going in the rapture. I am not going to let a thing, I'm not going to let a person, I'm not going to let an attitude, I'm not going to let a spirit, come on somebody, I am not going to miss that. That is the greatest event in the entirety of human history is to go in the rapture. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. I plan on going. And I'm expecting you to go too, in Jesus' name. Hymenaeus was a constant problem. But the Apostle Paul did not take it personally. He dealt with him according to his apostolic authority. And in, in 1 Timothy chapter number 1, he turned him over to Satan that he might not blaspheme. That means he put him out of the church. When people leave the church, ladies and gentlemen, backslider or otherwise, when you leave the church, you don't fall into the arms of Jesus on the road of grace. You fall right at the feet of Satan, and Satan is saying, you're exactly where I need you to be right now. That's why we ought to play, pray for backsliders. In fact, let's do that for a minute. Let's lift our hands and pray for every single backslider to find their way. I've been praying a lot for backsliders later, lately. God, I'm praying that you'll open the door just a split second so they can see themselves in reality and come to themselves in the name of Jesus. But the Apostle Paul dealt with Hymenaeus and Philetus and Hymenaeus and Alexander, and he dealt with them as an apostle. He did not take it personal. Now, when the pastor has to deal with people, he is not dealing with it on a personal level. Oftentimes, there's just certain discipline that has to be meted out. They will take it like I'm being personal, but they don't understand, they don't even have a revelation of the positioning and the posture of a true God-called pastor. No pastor enjoys doing that. But ladies and gentlemen, to spare the body, the sword has to come out and you have to draw some lines. When Solomon heard the case of the two women that fought off over the baby, he shocked all of Israel when he said, bring me a sword. When I pull my sword out, in fact, there is a curse against a man for brandishing his sword, but will not use it. I want to tell you, when it comes to apostolic things, this is God's church. This is God's people. This is God's word. This is God's spirit. It doesn't have anything to do with personal things. Oh, clap your hands and give God the praise. I believe this with all my heart. Of course, people that are not in the Holy Ghost, they, think they take everything personal. But it doesn't matter what they think. God is not concerned with what the person that's being disciplined thinks. He's making sure that the ministry is operating in the right spirit because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. If a person will not stop from fornicating, I may love that person on a personal level, but bless God, that spirit of fornication is not allowed in this youth group. It's not allowed in this church. It's not allowed to sit on a pew in its rebellion. It's just the way it is. Hymenaeus was a constant problem. The Apostle Paul did not personally wrestle with Hymenaeus. I heard a preacher one time tell one of his saints, I'm going to take you out back and, and I'm going to do something to you. Ladies and gentlemen, Ladies and gentlemen, that is not the main event. That is not get ready to rumble. That is so far out of the word of God, I don't even know what to tell you. Any pastor that would physically threaten a person is out of the will of God. 
you can just sit there like you can just sit there and watch me tonight. That's just fine. I don't expect you to do one thing. But I'm just gonna tell you, I've heard of pastors. <laughs> I had one guy that told me, he said, if this pastor told him, he said, if I ever see you in this town without permission, I'm gonna knock you out right where I find you. Ladies and gentlemen, that is out of the will of God. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. I didn't say I didn't want to do that or wouldn't like to do that. I'm just kidding. I'm just having fun. But that is not the will of God. In fact, there's some pastors that I've met, I think they pride themselves on how much chest thumping they can do about how that they were going to take care of somebody. I want to tell you, God doesn't need anybody to do that. God knows how to take care of people. What God needs me to do is to stay within my perimeter of jurisdiction and let God be in his perimeter of jurisdiction. And when you finally end up where that begins, where that ends, that is a revelation to a leader. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. Because I already know God's got my back. God's going to fulfill his word. God's going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. Some of you probably are upset that, that this pastor doesn't get physical with people. Well, maybe this isn't the right church for you because I, I don't see that in the Word of God. Quiet right now. I don't even want to spank somebody's kid. I think it's the mom and dad's responsibility to take the rod and do the, don't, if you won't do it, don't bring, your, don't bring your children here and expect me to do what you won't do. Oh, that is really weak. That's the spirit of this age. You go ahead and, and, and not use the rod and spoil the child and see what happens. Well, they're my little darlings. I know they're your little darlings. But if you love them, you're going to want to keep them from hell. And you're not going to, you're not, I don't care, I don't care what psychologist, psychiatrist, what books you've read, what recommendations, you're not going to outdo the Word of God. You just, it's not going to happen. Well, I'll move on. Somebody said, praise the Lord. There was even a greater trial for the Apostle Paul. And this is really kind of where I want to go. At Ephesus. There was a lot of things that took place at Ephesus, but it seemed like some of the things that God used people to really get under his skin And there was a man named Alexander. We read about him in our very first scripture at 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 9. One of the things that made Ephesus so unique is the fact that the Bible openly declares to us that the Apostle Paul came in contact with New Age spirits, what we would call New Age spirits. There was magic that was there in all of its, in all of its forms. In fact, there was such a great revival of the Holy Ghost that people brought all of their books and all their magic and all their artifacts and memorabilia, and they, they, they burned it in a bonfire. That's how great the revival was that they burned it all up, but also what took place at Ephesus is that there, were, there was a form of metallurgy that was there. There were men that worked with metal that fashioned shrines and figurines so that people could take them and use them as figurines of worship at the Temple of Diana. And this became an incredible situation for the Apostle Paul. Um, let's go to Acts chapter number 19 real quick. 
verses 24 through 28. We'll get a little background here. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen. Okay, next verse. Whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation and said, Sirs, ye know that by this craft we have our wealth. Remember when the apostle Paul rebuked the spirit of divination in Acts chapter number 16? Acts 16 was preparation for Ephesus. Remember when that spirit of divination went out of that woman that her masters that had control over her? They got really upset with the Apostle Paul that, that she doesn't have that spirit anymore. This is, this is Paul. God sent him to Macedonia, to Philippi, for training for what he was going to encounter at Ephesus. He encountered the exact same thing at Ephesus. They said, sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. Go to the next verse. Moreover, you see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands. He is actually destroying the fact that these people were making money off of idolatry. Next verse, please. So that not only this, our craft is in danger to be set at nothing, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised. And her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. Next verse, please. And when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Now, there was such a tumult in that city that they, they drew Paul into the marketplace. And there was an incredible throng of people there. And there was a man by the name of Alexander, who was a Jew, that initially he came to the Apostle Paul's defense. He initially came to the Apostle Paul's defense, because I'm telling you that with this man in that city preaching that there are no gods, there's only but one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father above all, through all, and in you all, that was written in the book of Ephesians, that he ran into incredible issues, and he would have got torn to shreds. But there was a man by the name of Alexander who started out to make appearances to be a pretty good guy. He was on the side of the apostles. And the Apostle Paul, through God's help, was able to escape this incredible situation. Go to verse number 33, please. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward, and Alexander beckoned with the hand and would have made his defense unto the people. So Alexander joined himself with the Apostle Paul. But something happened to the relationship where he actually turned on the apostle. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. Not the church, not my brothers and sisters. Now I'm going to get right down to where we're living here tonight because that's why I came here tonight. Alexander got, he got real personal. He did me much evil. Look at how the Apostle Paul dealt with this. You cannot miss this. This is why I came here tonight to talk about this. The Lord reward him according to his works. Let's lift our hands and just pray right now. 
there anybody that's ever got made it real personal? Will they hurt you? How'd you deal with that? Come on, let's pray. God wants to help us tonight, not hurt us. When I when I see hear or feel that people are getting vindictive You mark that person. You, you know what vindictive means? I said vindictive. You hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you. In fact, I'm going to hurt you worse than you, di- than you hurt me. I got your attention now. When you get vindictive, you got the wrong spirit. I have seen things. I won't even fill in any more blanks in that because I'm just going to tell you that when I see that in a leader, That's as far as my respect goes. In fact, my respect starts going down from that point forward. To take matters into your own hands. Now, Alexander started out being a good guy. He got up, there was this huge throng of people, and I don't know if Alexander helped Paul make a way of escape. I don't know if if he got up and said, hey, leave these guys alone. I don't don't know. The Bible doesn't seem to get into the nitty-gritty details about that. But at some point, that Alexander either got in the church, was a part of the church, You know, the world can hurt you, but you know, when the world hurts you, you just go, man, that dude's in the world. You're able to, you're able to, you're able to classify it properly so that you, you're able to look at that person and say, man, that guy doesn't know God. You know, he doesn't know the love of God. He doesn't know the Holy Ghost. And you're, you know, you're able to, I don't want to use the word excuse, but you understand what I'm saying. You, there's a buffer there. There's a, there's, a, there's a way to balance it all out. But when somebody's in the church, And they get vindictive. I'm going to tell you, I've seen entire families that become vindictive. It is a nasty, ugly, potentially dangerous situation. So I'm just letting you know, I got a sword. I'm not afraid to use this sword. I don't want to hear some immature, bitter, ugly spirit begin to put down God's people. These people are blood-bought. And if you can't follow biblical injunction to rectify your differences... That proves you got the wrong spirit. Now, I'm going to get back up here because I'm going to get nice. But I want us to lift our hands right now and I want us to pray. Because we got to have revival. And we cannot put young, innocent people that don't know anything right into harm's way of some vindictive, ugly, horrible, bitter spirit that cannot forgive and cannot forget and cannot get over it and cannot get on the road and can't experience victory and can't experience faith and can't experience glory to glory and victory to victory and move on.
the Apostle Paul took a very spiritual approach and he said, the Lord reward him. He did me much evil. He ran his mouth. There's some expositors believe that he tried to turn people away from the church. Tried to turn people away from the Apostle Paul. He already had that problem with Hymenaeus, but this is on a different level. He did it personally. It was to me. Somebody hurt me. But I'm not going to take matters in my own hands. The Lord reward him. Let's pray again. And I want to tell you, when the Lord starts doing this kind of stuff, people are still going to think that somebody did it to them because they don't have the revelation that we are going to reap what we sow. God is not mocked. You run your mouth, God's going to get you. You, you attack his church, God's going to get you. you. You do something personally against somebody, God is not mocked. Man, pastor's really getting somebody here tonight. I don't even know of one situation. Probably the best time to talk about this stuff is because I can't think of anything. And don't blame it on my age. I just don't think of one instance where somebody has done this here tonight. But I'm just telling you, I want revival. And God is not going to send people out of this world into a patent place where people are talking about other people and putting people down and have lost their victory and lost the revelation and lost the... I want revival more than somebody sitting here. If it would take the problem having to leave, I would be open to that if it meant having revival. That's all I mean. God's going to do what God's going to do. I remember one time, my, uh, I was evangelizing. My, my wife and I were at a restaurant with the host pastor. And the pastor made some horrible remark about some of the people he was pastoring. And my wife and I, it, it affected us both the same way because we talked about it later. Oh, it just, Brother David, something about that just, oh. And I thought, why is this man even pastoring if he doesn't love these people? You could take the weakest person among us that's messing up, can't seem to keep it together. Just barely making it to church. But I will defend your right as a pastor to just get up and keep trying. But I will not defend that person that wants to criticize you, wants to put you down, wants to make fun of you. That is, listen to me, that's the wrong spirit. Clap your hands and give God praise. That is the wrong spirit. That is the wrong spirit. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And I got an understanding very, very early on as a new convert. Man, church taught me how to come out of the world. Woo! Church taught me how to give the devil a black eye. Woo! But man, I'm having to learn how to deal with some of this stuff. But I'm still here, I still have a good spirit. I still love people because I learned how to wrestle. Let's lift our hands. God's trying to help us tonight because we're being prepared for a greater move. But this needs to be a hospital. This needs to be an asylum. This needs to be a city of refuge. This needs to be a place of hope. This needs to be a place of power, not criticism. It needs to play, be place, a, a place of encouragement and not despair.
So you got to learn to wrestle with this stuff. Something happened to Alexander. I've been doing this long enough to know that people get their tail in a knot for almost nothing sometimes. Sometimes it's just unrealistic expectations. And again, I'm not thinking of any situation. I'm just throwing this out as... Well, the pastor said this and it didn't happen. Well, okay. Wait. Hold on. Pray. Fast. Run around in circles. Don't have to be these circles. My Lord, I can't even make it. I barely make it over there where Brother Travis is with that beautiful baby. Those babies are starting to be a distraction. I can't even preach when those things are walking around. Somewhere, Alexander, probably, I've done this enough to know that sometimes people, they get a fixation on what they want to do in the church. Pastor, I think I'd like to try my hand at preaching. Go ahead and have a seat. Have a seat. We had a guy that used to go to this church years ago that told me, he said, I want, I want the church to start recognizing me as a man of God. And I thought to myself, okay, as soon as you become one, then we'll talk about it. He wanted me to tell the church that you're supposed to recognize him as a man of God. I didn't fall for that. Never fall for that. You're not going to tell God what you are. God's going to tell you what you are. And if you allow God to do that, then you can be pastored and you can become blessed. Well, I think I'd like to do this and I think I'd like to do that. And, and, and I've done this long enough to know that maybe Alexander had a fixation on, maybe he wanted a position. You know, it's kind of what Judas wanted. When Judas saw, when Judas saw the multitude, you know, Jesus had just fed the multitude and Judas is going, man. This is going to be a mega church. Woo! I'm going to be somebody. And then Jesus said, you got to be willing to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they all started leaving. And Judas went from, woo! What is this guy doing? He's driving everybody away. But in verse 66, Jesus said, have not I chosen you 12? And one of you is a devil in that very context. People can change that fast when it's their plans, it's their program, it's their idea, it's their desire. And so I'm just, I know how these things can work sometimes, and I think maybe the coppersmith got his tail in a knot. You're not going to be pastor in this church. Why not? Well, you got to be called for one thing. You got to have a good spirit for another thing. And so Alexander turned against the leader. And it got personal, it got ugly. And he did him much evil. Second Timothy chapter four, verse number 14. This is why what Paul experienced at Ephesus was unlike. But I really believe that there is a reason and a purpose for this. I believe God was paving the way for something much bigger. Look at this. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Next verse, please. Of whom be thou aware also, for he has greatly withstood our word. If you're, if you're in this church and somebody just says, I ain't doing what that pastor says. 
I know the pastor said that we're supposed to do this, but I ain't doing it. Get away from that person. Love them, pray for them. Greatly withstood our words. Wanted to argue with the, with the apostle. Next verse, please. At my first answer, no man stood with me. He was all by himself. Just the pastor on the authority God gave him. All men forsook me. I pray that God does not lay that to their charge. Look at the next verse. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Because Paul deferred his punishment to God, God said, that's the man I'm looking for. I'm standing with you. And strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. That is a idiom. That's an idiom for demonic forces. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, Paul said, I wrestled with the beasts at Ephesus. People that became influenced by the wrong spirit withstood apostolic leadership. Paul never one time took matters in his own hands. He let God do it. He let God do it. If somebody hurts you and hurts you personally, the first temptation that you're going to do, you're going to face. This is why the Bible says, be ye angry and sin not, neither give place to the, say it again, please. Over here a little louder. I'm almost 68 and I'm hard of hearing. I refuse to get hearing aids. Thank you. You actually make room for the devil when you operate out of the heat of your own spirit. And where at one time you were loving God and everything was great, now there's another spirit working, influencing. Delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Look at Proverbs 20, 22. I'm almost done. Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord and he shall save thee. Well, you did me evil, so I'm going to do you evil. No, you do me evil, I'm just going to pray. Somebody said amen. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 30. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will repent, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse number 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. That, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly what Satan wants is to have evil fighting evil in the church. Vindictive, nasty, ugly, hatred. And he celebrates. Is this all right tonight? Don't look so guilty. I'm not talking about you. 
Hold it. You're going to get your chance. Everybody's going to get their chance to say, you mess with me, I'm going to tell everybody I know. You just disobeyed the word of God instead of going privately to your brother that thou might win thy brother. You put a firing squad together because somebody ain't got the right spirit. So we're going to tell everybody else what they did instead of you going to them and saying, hey, you know, this wasn't right. I love you. What's up? It's in the Bible. People that don't have the Spirit aren't supposed to do that. People that have the Holy Ghost are supposed to do that. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Next verse. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Next verse. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Verse number 21. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. This is what the Apostle Paul learned at Ephesus, and it became one of the most thunderous, powerful, apostolic, missions-minded churches in all of Asia Minor. It wasn't just fighting the devil through the government. It was letting people get right up close and personal to where they could do evil personally. Hallelujah. You're going to get the chance. I've been through some real... And, and I pray I'm done with this stuff. But, you know, I learned a long time ago I don't ever say I've seen it all. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I have not seen it. Because right about time I think, man, I've been through just about everything. I think I'm clear now. Here comes a big one. But look at it this way, and I really am done. Look at it as an opportunity to graduate and to be different than what you used to be. I've been through some extremely despicable, despicable attacks from people. And the Bible tells us that we're supposed to pray for them that despitefully use us. And I'd like to add a few things. Lie on us. Fabricate lies. Tell stories. Pass negative things. Paul said, I'm not going to do this. I'm not doing this to this guy. He's out of the church. He's trying to do me damage. I've just turned him over to God. I'm going to love everybody. I can't afford. I can't afford to let that in my spirit. There's people that need this. I can't. Allure, I can't. I can't. I can't afford myself to exercise uh, uh, some retribution or some some act of of vindictiveness because that does something. Everybody that that exercises vindictiveness, they go they go lower. You get lower and lower and lower and lower till now. It's the only way you know how to deal with it. Hallelujah. All right. Let's stand. We wrestle. I'm going to tell you what, the character I need to wrestle the most is right here. Let's lift our hands.
Let's ask God to help us right now. Holy Ghost is on your side. Come on, let's pray. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, the wealth that's founded in this book, the depth of your mercy and your love and your greatness and your glory and your grace that's in the Spirit. God, fill us all. Fill us all. Fill us all that we can experience the unity of the Spirit. We're all on the same wavelength, and we all have the same Spirit, and we all love God, and we all love one another. And God, I pray, I pray you'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out your very best on this great congregation, these precious people. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. Shake hands, be friendly. Smile at somebody. And we will see you. Brother Jeremy Painter will be here this weekend. We're going to have a great time. Be inviting people out in Jesus' name. God bless you all.